0: And Alicia. So, keeping Sabbath. In the series, we're talking about disciplines or practices that we can adopt into our life that, along with God's working in it, bring about character change. And we're using the image of the boiling point when water reaches 212 degrees Fahrenheit. The temperature has not changed in five weeks. When water reaches 212, it goes through a phase change and it changes from liquid to a gas and so we're these spiritual disciplines these disciplines that we can adopt into our life are like heating elements that God uses to raise our spiritual temperature and then over a course of time they change us from the inside out like a pot of boiling water the, the water eh, begins to bubble a little bit as the water begins to move and then it rises to the surface and so when we talk about character change As Christians, we're talking about change that happens deep within and then bubbles up to the surface for everyone else to see. So God is not just concerned about the bubbles like the surface of your life. He wants to go down and change you deep within. And that's what we're talking about in this series. And Sabbath, keeping Sabbath, not the Sabbath, but keeping Sabbath is one of the ways that God raises our spiritual temperature. We often associate, and now it's a spiritual discipline, and we often associate the Sabbath with bodily rest. But the Sabbath is actually after something deeper than just physical ceasing. It's about what's going on in your heart. So Annalisa just read Deuteronomy 5 and Matthew 6. And those two passages click together like Lego blocks. That one of the reasons that we do not practice the Sabbath, or keep it very well, is because we are anxious people, and our hearts are anxious, and we're worried about so many other things. We just fail to trust, we struggle to trust God with our practical needs. But along with that, one of the reasons that we don't keep Sabbath is because we live in a type of slavery. There's all kinds of slavery. We can be slaves to the thought of upward mobility, uh, the slavery of parental or wrong expectations, um, the expectations of your employer that is unfair, slaves to unhealthy ambition and overwork. God wants us to be free of that. And keeping Sabbath is the way that God checks that unbridled work, unbridled ambition. And keeping Sabbath is the way that we end up keeping Jesus' words, but it's a process. It is a process. And what I think Jesus wants for us is that you and I would experience the liberating effect of a tranquil heart the liberating effect of a tranquil heart. But here's the truth, here's the dirty truth. I'm not gonna sugarcoat this today, all right? Cause you're gonna run into a lot of problems with this. When you decide to cease, when you decide I'm going to make this a part of my life, you're going to begin to worry about things that you didn't worry about before. And so, when you are running against a work project, and we're going to talk about temporary times where you may have to practice a diminished Sabbath, but there's going to be some times where you're going to say, Okay, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to worship today and I'm going to take the rest of Sunday off. But some of you work on Sunday, so your Sabbath is another day of the week. But when you decide to cease, all of these anxieties are going to float to the surface. But that's good. Because at least now you know. Whereas before you didn't know what was driving your anxiety. You didn't know that you were worried about your job or bills or education or something like that. So sometimes when we begin these spiritual disciplines, things come up that we just weren't aware of. But God's desire is that we would not be anxious but trustful. And here's the picture. That there comes a point This is just, if I'm your dad, this is what happens. There comes a point when you stand up on the couch, or the chair, or the bed, and I say, it's time to jump. Right? It's time to jump. And I remember with one of the kids, there's like, no, really, no, you remember, I'm just kind of learning to talk, and now you're asking me to jump. I'm really comfortable just, just kind of hanging up here on the, on the corner of the couch, no thanks. But after a few moments of like, no, really, I'll catch you. You'll see, it's going to be fun. We'll and then there's this deep breath. And then they just kind of, they don't even jump, they just kind of tiptoe, right? They just kind of tip over like a tower of blocks. And that you catch them and you put them in your arms and they feel how strong you are and what do they say let's do it again you and i are so comfortable hanging on to what's comfortable even if what's comfortable is killing us and the invitation today is to let go of the comfortable and to fall into the deep arms of god to know that He knows and cares and will provide. Not that you become passive. We're going to talk about that too. But that you let go. I understand it's a process and it may not be something that you adopt right away, but it is a call to experience the deep love and provision of God. And the call for Sabbath is your heart become as quiet as this room. And that even as you work and even as you rest, you will know that God sees you, cares for you, and loves you. And that that experience would renew you. And that by ceasing, you would actually have a better perspective on the distance between you, your true self, and your work. Who you are and what you do. And that that distance and that space and that ceasing and that renewal would inspire you. And that it would renew you and give you great thoughts about how you're going to invest the next six days or the next season of your life. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the Sabbath. So what we're going to talk about is from Deuteronomy 5, the basis of the Sabbath. Then in the middle portion, we're going to talk about how Sabbaths, plural, Sabbaths can look, yours, mine, someone else's. And then we're going to finish our time talking about the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath, the person who gives us rest. So let's talk about the basis of the Sabbath. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 5, they are told, the Israelites are told, and therefore we are told, that we were to keep two foundational truths in our mind. First... That after the works of creation, God took time to cease and enjoy it. He took time to cease and to enjoy it. God ceased. That's foundational point number one. And number two, that verse 15, we read that the Sabbath is an announcement of the freedom of burdensome toil, of slavery. So that's what we're going to talk about in our first section here. God ceased. On each day of creation, God finished that particular work, and then he said, it is good. And then when he finishes creating man, at the very end, he says, it is very good. God enjoys his handiwork. There was a moment when God stopped, and he reflected upon his handiwork, and he enjoyed it. He said, it's good. It's good. And part of work, part of work, is the completion and enjoyment of it. If you don't take a Sabbath, you really can't stop, get that perspective, and truly enjoy it. And I'm glad that God sees, because there's something profound and true about it that we actually need, as human beings, we need distance between ourselves and what we do for our work. You need that distance. You are not your job. We need time, we need space to consider our methods. How we would we look at the work that we've accomplished and we kind of reflect, this is how I could do it better. When I did this portion of the project, I was really anxious, but now I see that that anxious anxiety was misplaced, like why did I ever worry about that? But if you don't take time to reflect and keep Sabbath, then you're never going to have that opportunity to get down below the surface of your life to see all of the anxiety and kind of dis-ease that you have going on under there. And then also the Sabbath is not just not that, what I would consider like the negative component, but it's also time to enjoy, to enjoy God, to worship, to enjoy the people around you, to enjoy the fruit of your work. It feels good to complete a project, doesn't it? It feels good to complete a project, to have an idea, to create a plan, to execute it, and then say, it didn't go perfectly, but it almost did. It feels good to be able to say that. Over the past few years, I've adopted something akin to a Sabbath on Sunday mornings where I will preach six to eight Sundays in a row, and then someone else will come and preach. And it's kind of a sermon Sabbath, okay? And I have to differentiate. I have to separate myself. I am not a sermon-making machine, okay? I am not a sermon-making machine. And so when I hear someone else preach, I realize the world spins without me, and that God's Word comes, It's beautiful, but just like I need that separation between what I do and who I am, you need that separation between who you are and what you do. My identity is not anchored to a task because one day we are going to retire, believe it or not, for some of us like 40 years away, but one day your job will cease. So if you cease one day a week, you will get a better perspective and enjoy it. So, you need space and perspective so that in a non-hurried way, you can think about yourself, your craft, your career, and how you might spend the next six days of your life or the next season of your life thinking about how you might better utilize it. Don't you want that? Don't you want that? the Sabbath is the way that you can get that, but it takes work. Number two, the Sabbath is a declaration of freedom. Another reason Israel was to keep the Sabbath is not just because God ceased or rested, but that they were freed from exploitative work that they experienced in Egypt. God deeply, deeply cares about the health and welfare of all workers. And in Egypt, the Israelites worked, and they were exploited. They had no rights. They had no day off. And when they tried to band together behind Moses, their work conditions were made worse. Their work replaced worship. They couldn't enjoy their work. They couldn't enjoy one another. They couldn't even enjoy God. They were slaves. But then God had delivered them, and their life was to be different because of that. So, as the Israelites, the picture is this that the Israelites are pressed against the Red Sea, and the Egyptians are coming after them, and the people start screaming at Moses, What are we to do? What are we to do? And Moses says, You are to cease. You are to cease and see the salvation of the Lord. Quote, See the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. You are to cease. And you are to see the salvation that God gives you. Every seventh day was supposed to be a ceasing and a celebration as they thought about the rescue from a life where they were not valued because they were made in the image of God, but they were only valued as a unit of production. And the Sabbath is a declaration that you were valued not as a unit of production, but as a person made in the image of God. That is what the Sabbath does. And the Sabbath was a reminder of God's love for them individually, using the words from Isaiah 43, that they were treasured by God, not as units of production, but because of this, because you were precious in my sight, honored and loved. It's a declaration of freedom. In Egypt, they only worked. Work replaced worship. They were slaves. But God had brought about a change, and so therefore they should change. And here is the unpleasant truth. <clears throat> if you are unable to keep the Sabbath, you are a slave. I'll talk about my stuff a little bit later on, but if you are unable to keep the Sabbath, a Sabbath, excuse me, a slave. And your master is either internal or external. Internally, it could be your own heart. You could be ruled by greed, haughty ambition, insecurity, upward mobility, that you tie your life to a certain position in an organization or something like that. Or it could be Sometimes we associate uh, maybe not keeping a Sabbath because of overwork, but it could be that you are a slave to sloth and comfort, and you don't utilize your time correctly the other days of the week, and so therefore all the things that you didn't take care of when you had the opportunity pile up, and so you do that on Sabbath also. We can be enslaved by materialistic culture where your greatest value as a person is your purchasing power. Enslaved by exploitative organizations. Look, spent five years in a corporation. Some of that was fun, some of it wasn't. But we all live in a world that's influenced by globalization, in a hyper connected world, and it puts more pressure on you as a professional to justify your position in a company or in the marketplace. I realize that. I realize that. But even In the midst of that, we are called to somehow keep Sabbath. And we need to realize that if we aren't careful, slowly, over time, these masters, whether they're internal or external, they will will abuse you worse than Pharaoh. Because you know why? Pharaoh never lied. Pharaoh never lied. You're never getting out. You will do menial tasks. You will do this. They knew what they were going to get with Pharaoh. In the marketplace, you were promised this blessedness of promotion and financial invest, uh, advancement if you simply bring your offering of overwork and you collapse all personal boundaries and you lay it at that altar. And it's a promise. It's a promise in which you either willingly trust or distrust that. Or you willingly weigh, I'm willing to do that, and it not work out, or to it work out. But if you aren't careful, I'm not saying this is your situation, but I am saying that if you aren't careful, you can become enslaved. When I was working for a software company, you know there's like the chronic overworker? like hey how's your week? I've worked 80 hours already. Really? It's only Monday. (laughs) And you wonder how efficient that life is. Eventually that person is going to retire and then what? You are made for more than work. There's nothing wrong with ambition. That's why I always say either haughty ambition or selfish ambition or an ambition that's kind of over its bounds. There's nothing wrong with ambition. But sometimes we can misplace our ambition because we're misplacing our hope or our sense of worth. This is hard stuff. It stirs up. When, I'm, when I was studying this, I was like, I really don't want to preach this. I really don't want to talk about Because it's so hard and it's so complex. But if we want a free heart... One of the ways that it has worked into our life is Sabbath. The Sabbath is a way that these voices are silenced, where all other claims of lordship over us is settled. God owns me. God owns me. That's what we're saying when we keep the Sabbath. Okay, so how a Sabbath can look. Notice, I'm saying keeping Sabbath, not keeping the Sabbath. I realize that some of you work by necessity on the weekends, and so don't think Sunday only. Think Wednesday, if Wednesday is your day off, or something like that. Okay, so using, using it a little bit more loosely. But in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, both of those passages require 24 hours, a day off. Okay. Well, let me talk about it like this: When God gave these directions to the Hebrews. They worked from morning to night. The Sabbath was to begin at night and go to the next sundown, followed by another night's sleep. So it's a day and a half, something like that, of rest. Okay, so you need, I think that you need one full day. One full day and another half day. And a portion of one of those times should be worship. Everyone's circumstances are different. What a Sabbath looks like for you now may be different than what a Sabbath looks like for you three years from now. Okay, So it's always going to change because you change. God doesn't change, but you change. Your circumstances change. So what you do is going to look different than what I do I work on Sundays, by the way, and so so my Sabbath is going to necessarily look different than yours. Every person's situation is unique. Your job, your life, your family obligations, they all differ. But as I've researched this and thought about this and kind of accumulated some conversation points from other people, just put together, I don't know, six or seven things for you to think about on your way to adopting the Sabbath, okay? inactivity don't you like that word inactivity okay don't you like it when in Christianity you can like you can do something really well by not doing anything i like that part of it right inactivity you need a portion of a day that is unplanned and unstructured okay in which you can do whatever you want doesn't that sound lovely? That is the Promised Land, isn't it? But you needed time. Look, we miss, we miss the invitation and the gift of the Sabbath when you make Sabbath just as crowded and overworked as any other day of the week. We miss it, we miss out on something. You need a lack of exertion. Doesn't mean you become a couch potato, but it means that you plan to be unplanned. Whatever happens, happens. And the idea is um, is letting, there's this agricultural idea in the Old Testament of letting the land lay fallow. Every seven years, a portion of land was set aside. No planting, no harvesting. Whatever happened, happened. And it was good. Whatever happens, happens. Some of our personalities are naturally like, yeah, whatever, let's just go out. Right? Let's just... So some of you, it's going to come natural, for some of us, it's just not, it's not, but laying the, just have a portion of your, whatever happens, happens, unstructured, unplanned. Number two, fill your bucket, fill your bucket, we're going for deep theological terms here, fill your bucket, each of us has essentially an energy bucket. we're well rested, when we do things that refresh us, that bucket gets filled. But through work or the ordinary cares and busyness of life, that that bucket gets depleted. And so there are some things that you can do to fill the bucket back up. And there's three. And they rhyme, coincidentally. Contemplation, recreation, appreciation. Okay? Or car. C-A-R. Contemplation, appreciation, recreation. Contemplation. You need a space in your life. I think, outside of Sunday morning, where you simply pray and worship. Where you have some time apart where you listen to God. Now, for some of us that might be reading scripture, that could be um, reading a particular book about a spiritual matter, you could be listening to a podcast the day before or the day of, and then thinking about that on the Sabbath. Recreation. Getting out in nature, or putting yourself into a hobby. Beware of hobbies and exercise, is what I always say. Because your hobby can become your master also. Even exercise can become your master where it's about performance and exertion. Appreciation. You need something that elevates your perspective. Reading a great book, art creation, drama, culture, Netflix, whatever it is for you. It's whatever you find beautiful that fills you up. God looked at everything and said, Adam this is really good. So it's whatever you find that is really good for you. what's good for me is not necessarily going to fill you up. So we give each other space to explore. So you kind of need those in periodic moments in your life. Number three, after you fill your bucket, you can also know thyself. Are you an introvert or extrovert? So an introvert, they go into a crowd and their energy gets low. An extrovert goes into a crowd and their bucket fills up, right? And so a Sabbath for some of us, so I'm kind of like a 6-4 or 10 extrovert right? And so sometimes if I've had a week where I'm face-to-face with a lot of people, then Sabbath for me sometimes means just solitude, but maybe you're a person where you live a portion of your week in solitude and so something that fills you up maybe not solitude, but being social. But you have to know yourself. Think about that. Number four, I expect at least one amen from my wife, beware the kids. Beware the kids. It's important for parents and kids to spend unstructured time together. Family time is important. But it's also critical for us parents to not let our Sabbath be dictated and overrun by parental expectations and responsibilities. When you're taking them here and there and then doing errands in between. And then spouses, what Barb and I are talking about right now is how can... How can both of you spend time with the kids, that's good, but also how can you both individually spend time away from the kids? You are more than a parent. You have to take care of yourself without having your life force sucked away. So, number five, seasons. There are going to be seasons in your life where you have to, vo- you have to voluntarily take on a project something where you have a diminished Sabbath. That's just the reality of our world. Medical residency comes into mind. Um, Finance, law, it seems like at the beginning of every career, the first three or four years, it is like that, where you just have to have a diminished Sabbath. So let's talk about this. Maybe it's like your first or second year of teaching, right? You wake up early, you cry, go to school, meetings after school, go home, cry, (laughs) you do lesson plans, cry, you go to sleep, you get up early, right? Yeah, the first three years are hard. It eventually gets better, right? And that's with every career, if you have your own business or try to start your own business, or if you plant a church, it is incredibly time-consuming, all you eat and and live is the organization that you're trying to build. And it's really hard. And it's really hard to find time for yourself when the success of the organization and the people you employ is is essentially falling to your shoulders. There are going to be seasons in your life when it is like that. But even in the midst of that, you need to set aside a portion of your week that is Sabbath. Sabbath. The number one excuse, it's just a season. It's just a season. I've never known a season to last a decade. And so you you need accountability, is what I'm saying. Is that you need input from other people who, and you need to keep the Sabbath so that that becomes a natural rhythm of your life, so that if it's not in your life, something feels like it's missing. Number six, talk and accountability. So I work on Sundays. So Sabbath, uh, the Sundays are not a Sabbath for me, okay? It is work. You're kind of chilled and relaxed, and I'm like anxious and just energetic and, and whatever. So it's, it's very different. And so that means that I need another time during the week in which I cease, in which I reflect upon myself and my work. I'm not good at it. I am not good at it. I'm a rookie. Barb, my wife, monitors me. So does Darian. They both keep me accountable. They make sure that I'm ceasing, that I'm resting, that I'm enjoying. And I'm a better all-around person because of them. But you have to have accountability. And if you live with someone, or you have friends, just have this conversation. Understand that there's seasons, but also understand that there's boundaries, and that it's always good to just pull back a little bit. Talk to Christians in your field or your line of work, and ask how they do it. Let's talk about Jesus being Lord of the Sabbath, okay? Jesus is the one that gives us rest. Jesus speaks to our self-nagging voice. You're not doing enough. You've got to justify yourself. You're not working hard enough. You'll never go anywhere. You, there won't be enough if you don't do this. That's a self-nagging voice. And Jesus speaks to that self-nagging voice. And he breaks the chains of captivity. And the reason that we can self-limit our productivity and not check email or take work home or be free of the enslavement of upward mobility is because our identity is found in Jesus and what He says about us. Not what the marketplace says about us. It is He who created us. It is He who loved us and made us His. It is from God that the river of blessing flows. And He gives all good things and there is enough. And I'm not going to minimize the oomph and the pain and the struggle that embracing Sabbath will have on your life. It is very hard. It is sacrificial because it is self-imposed limitation. But there's this agricultural concept in the Old Testament called gleaning where the Israelites were told, you can plant a field, but you cannot harvest the edges. That's for other people. The sojourner and... Maybe those who don't have the resources that you have, you're to leave the edges. But you know, we Americans really like efficiency and productivity, don't we? We like to drive up that utilize, you know, utilization metric and all of that, and we just want to work life to the margins. Friends, if you habitually work to the margins, be a diminished person. That's just the truth. Maybe this means having hard conversations with your employer. I don't know what it means for you but I'm willing to talk to you about it in a gracious way. But it is self-imposed inefficiency. God is saying don't go to the margins. Enjoy the abundance of the middle. There is enough. Enjoy the abundance of the middle. You have six days to do everything else. And if you know that you're going to cease on the seventh, whatever that seventh is for you, then it actually helps you make better use of the other six. For some of us, this means that we might advance in our career slower. We might have to delay buying something that we really want to buy, or to control spending better. And on the other hand, you might be able to keep the Sabbath and not see any any problems whatsoever in your career or your life. And here's the hard truth, the harvest is up to God, isn't it? It's hard and we want to be anxious like Jesus said. And Jesus says, look at the flowers, there is enough, there is enough. Jump off the couch and into the arms of God. He's trustworthy and can provide. On a few occasions, I'll leave you with this thought. Jesus healed on the Sabbath, and that was considered a work. And then Jesus says, look, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, meaning the Sabbath was given for the benefit of you. It was given as a gift that you would embrace and enjoy. Jesus healed on the Sabbath because that's really what God needs to do for us. He needs to heal us, to restore us, to renew us, to give us new life, and to empower us into a better way of living. The purpose of the Sabbath is not to make you a better worker. It is actually to make you a better worshiper. So that you have space in your life to worship, and to be thankful, and to practice gratitude. And if you have a sabbath infused life, I think that we can enjoy God more. So let the gospel of Jesus Christ bring rest to your soul to quiet the ceaseless longing for stuff and for status and rest in Him. Jump into His arms, let go of the comfortable, jump into the wide dependable arms of God. Friends, there is enough. So let's trust God and one another for these things. Let's pray.